0: rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood. It's the St. Louis Realtor
1: Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz.
0: Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. Welcome, welcome, everybody. And today is podcast 39. It's uh, April 25th, 2018. We've got, of course, my Wonderful co host Shannon St. Pierre here.
1: Hello, hello.
0: And we're very excited for our very special guest. Today we have Lisa Brown Esquire. Is that right?
2: <laughs> yeah, attorney at law. That's good too.
0: Lisa Brown, attorney <laughs> at law. Okay, and so today we're going to be talking all about probate and wills and trusts. Um, I'd like to give my little Herman London update first, if you don't mind. And so um, we just. We've had a lot of good stuff going on with the company here, especially in the last month or two. We've had six new agents that have joined the company. Um, where It's kind of exciting to have sort of a group together that are all on the same path, and we're going to be meeting with them and doing some training and accountability, and uh, I'm excited for them. They all kind of come from a different place and have different goals and stuff, so it's just neat to see you know, what, what happens with these realtors. Um, I like giving updates on some of my investments. I bought a house and believe it or not, I uh, bought it for $5,000, and we're going to pay about $12,000 to put into it, and so we'll have about 17000 into it, and it's going to rent for 650 bucks a month.
1: So what area? Yeah.
0: Uh, it's in Jennings.
1: Was it an MLS deal?
0: It was a non-MLS deal. It was uh, sent to us by, um, uh, I guess, a wholesaler who we worked okay. with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's just exciting to be able to buy houses for that. It's kind of sad that you can buy houses for that, but it's exciting for us to be able to buy it and rent it out and we'll make really good cash flow. And we like buying them low like that and then being able to put the work into it because then we know the house is in really good shape versus sometimes, you know, you buy it for more and maybe there's already a tenant in there or something like that but then you are constantly having to do work to it. So this way we can get in there and put in new... I think we're literally doing new floors and walls and kitchen cabinets and bathrooms and all that kind of stuff.
2: You discover any defects before you get anybody in there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, And you're thinking, how are you going to do all that for $12,000? Well, I don't think it's a very big house, and I don't think we're going to be using the uh, yeah, That's highest exactly p- what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, no. No. <laughs> that, does that add up? I mean, I think we're going to go to... I don't know. We're not going to be going... I don't don't even know like a high-end kitchen store in town, but we're not going to be going to the high-end kitchen store in town. (laughs) Um, Shannon, I'd like to give a little update. I know you got a new buyer looking on the hill last night, so are are you needing someone to sell? You need a seller on the hill, right?
1: Yeah, so we're looking for a seller on the hill, and um, he's really... They're in that 150000 price point range, so I don't think they need much. It's just two individuals, so... Um but it's that's a really tough price point.
0: Especially now, right? I have a house on the hill yes. that I'm like man, 8 years ago I would have loved to have sold you that thing for $150,000. But now I just think I can get a lot more for it. And so I'm yeah, not I'm that's not that's pretty much myself. the
1: case. So yep.
0: okay. And then have you I've had a lot of sewer lateral problems lately. Have you been dealing with any of those?
1: It's You know, I feel like I go in and out of phases where the sewer lateral will be Uh the main issue for a while. Uh Uh, Not so much lately. It's not been a bad deal.
0: That's good. It's interesting to see all the different municipalities around town and all their little programs that they have to help pay for sewer lateral things. And some of them will pay from the house out. Some of them will only pay on the part that the city owns. Um, This one that we're dealing with, the city will pay for 85% of whatever the plumber's bid is. But you have to use their specific plumber, mm-hmm. and it's only on the outside of the house and stuff. So, sewer lateral problems are you know, kind of a pain, but uh, it's interesting because a lot of times there's sort of programs to help pay for it. I know Maplewood has a great program for it, too. But they're like, get on our list. We'll get to you eventually.
1: Uh, so, did they say how long the list was right now? I don't remember. Okay, now I have
2: a question. Just...
0: We'll allow to that. To you
2: guys, Does Herman London have a Facebook page that people can follow? It does. Okay. So when you are like looking for a seller on the hill to maybe get your buyers involved with, do you put that information on the Facebook page so that people like me that follow that can share it with their other realtor friends? And yes, Adam, I'm sorry. I have other realtor friends <laughs> um, so that they might perhaps reach out to clients they know are looking in that area.
0: That's such a good question. It's funny. It's funny to think about that because Shannon and I, I don't know what Shannon's thought was, but I'm like, ah, no one's going to, like, it's just, there's so much noise out there to us because I follow all these realtors on Facebook and everything. And all I see on my Facebook is people going, need a seller, need a buyer, need a this, need a that. I'm like, there's so much noise that I feel like it's just polluted. But someone who's not a realtor, you probably don't see as much about that. Mm -hmm. You see like, People at restaurants, people brushing their teeth, whatever, and like (laughs) the real estate one maybe sticks out more to you. It's interesting. We should do that, Shannon.
1: Yeah, I don't think I think we do it when we have a listing, like a a seller, and we do put out and advertise the property, but not necessarily when we have buyers and we're. Yeah,
2: because I've got I've got a a friend who's a realtor. She does a a lot of um, stuff down in, in Union. You know, Union, Missouri. Yeah. And uh, so she'll put on there, hey, somebody's looking for a house in such and such a school district in Union. Oh, and then, then anybody lives in that area is just like, boom, talk to such and such. They're, wow. they think they're selling their house. Love that. And so that post will just blow up. So, you know,
0: that's smart. We'll yeah. give that a shot. Thank you for that. Hot realtor <laughs> yeah, tip
1: today. Today. OK. <laughs> yeah. Hot realtor tip from the attorney.
0: We're always learning something from the attorney. So let's go ahead and jump into the main content of the show. Um, so Lisa is an expert in what is this whole kind of confusing world to me, and that's one of the reasons we want to have you here today. I, in interest of full disclosure, I did hire Lisa to do a will for me and a trust for me, and is all that part of the thing where um, the like medical power of attorney or whatever.
2: Uh, Your powers of attorney are separate from like your will and your trust.
0: Okay. So So. I did a bunch of that stuff because I knew I needed to, called Lisa and said, give me the gold package or whatever. (laughs) I just want it all, right? And so I just wanted to disclose that, but I think we should start off today's show by like any legal document. They always seem to start off at the very beginning with definitions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you don't mind, can I ask you? to define probate, to define wills, and to define trusts?
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, first of all, I cannot say that I am an expert, but oh, this I'm is sorry. my main area of practice is wills and trusts and Can probate. Can I say you're an expert? If that is your opinion. That is my opinion. Because you were satisfied with the work I did for you. <laughs> wow. That is my I love that talk already.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, good.
2: So um, a, a good definition for probate is it is the process of transferring legal title from a decedent who died, a person who died owning assets in their name alone um, that didn't automatically transfer via like a, a beneficiary designation, for example, to somebody else. So you need probate to be able to transfer that property to that person's heirs-at-law, which is blood relatives, um, or, or spouse. Um, or the person's named in their will. And heirs and people named in the will don't necessarily have to be the same people.
0: Okay, so I think we need a whole other list of things we need to find there. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't mind, Shannon, can you try to say like that back in like layman's terms, what probate is to you?
1: So the way that I think I understand probate is, I think of probate court and a judge uh, determining what a will is supposed, supposedly saying or and or if there's no will, then div- dividing assets among who's ever going to show up or the heirs. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Okay. So so with probate, you have two things. You have intestate. And that's somebody that dies without a will. Okay. And you so have that's like Prince. Right. Right now.
1: Yes. So um, which is.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, a lot thing. of celebrities, I think of it, I've amazingly, I've heard of right. my life, but okay. and, uh, and then there's testate. That's somebody that dies with a will. And yes. your heirs, obviously you don't know who your heirs are until the day you die, because you don't know what your life situation is until that date. So, like, if I died today, my heirs would be my mother and my three siblings. So uh, it's always
1: next of kin. right.
2: Yeah, and that's and, and there's a statute that sets right. all of that out, and you keep going. So, like if I if I was single and had nobody but my dog, um, then it would go out to like aunts and uncles and cousins, and and you just keep branching out on the family tree until you hit somebody, and then that's that's the heir, um, a legatee or a devisee or beneficiary, for our purposes, is the person that is named in the will to inherit that person's property. Okay. Okay. And they don't, and like I said, an heir and a legatee don't necessarily have to be the same person.
0: So many questions, but let's just get to our definitions (laughs) here. What is a will?
2: A will is a legal document uh, that you create that you nominate who your executor or in the state of Missouri, they call it a personal representative and that's the person who will administer your assets um, sign all the documents to get the probate process started, make sure all the assets are then distributed to the people named in the will or, or to the heirs, depending on the situation. Um, and, and then, of course, it names who the beneficiaries are going to be. Now, a common misconception, a will does not avoid probate. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, the will is just the document where you are definitively stating who you trust to handle that stuff, and where you want your assets to go when you die.
0: It still has to go to probate, but maybe probate will be a lot easier because there was a will?
2: Right, right, because then you don't necessarily have the fighting between the family members like go, no, no, I need to do this. I know what I'm doing, or, and I don't trust you, and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it, you know, a- added paperwork to, to get the probate process started. So, so, by having a will in place, you can avoid a, a lot of
1: that.
0: So, people always think of, I, I think people always think of their will as saying who gets what. Yeah. Right? Like, my brother gets my car or whatever. But the other important aspect of it you're saying is not only who gets what, but who gets to be responsible for everything. Correct. Okay.
1: So, then in that will, though, you're naming someone to carry out. Right. But why, so, why does it have to go to probate? if you've named what you want to happen to your assets in the will and, and, exec, and named an because, executor to carry it out, Because unless
2: you take additional steps, you are you still are owning that asset in your name alone. So after you die, the like, say, your bank account, okay? And so that bank is just like, okay, they've died. We have no further direction on what to do with the balance of this bank account.
0: They won't so, just look at a will. They want to look at something from the court.
2: Well, something legal, right? They need they need something. So if so if you haven't put a, a payable on death designation POD or transfer on death TOD designation on that account, the bank is just like okay, the account's closed. That that balance is going to sit here, you know, until we get some sort of court order telling us what to do with it. And after so long, they turn it over to the state as an unclaimed asset. So that's why you see all these commercials about, you know, call the state, you might have money, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff.
0: So it's, So this it seems like this show is really all about death today. But I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess it's also uh, a lot of times it's gonna be about taxes, right? And I think that's where the next topic or the next definition we want from you is the definition of trusts. Okay. That's a, a lot of times about death, but is that a lot of times used for taxes too
2: it can be um, the main reason to have a trust is to avoid probate because by having your assets transferred into a trust which is an entity you've created Mm -hmm. um, that can hold all of your assets you know stocks bonds bank accounts real estate cars everything Uh, you can make it the beneficiary for your life insurance by having all of your assets in that trust then the bank knows. Okay, hey, the, the, this asset's going to go into this trust now. You know, we, we don't have anything to do with it.
0: So, a trust is kind of like a fancy word for basically a company. It's a kind of like a corporation, but just one person owns it. Or what's the definition?
2: Well, a trust is set up by the asset owner, who, who is called the grantor. So, the grantor will set up the trust, and then they, and then the trust document will state you know, what all your powers are as trust. The the grantor can also be the trustee. So you continue to just manage the assets like you manage them on your own now
0: while you're Uh, alive, right?
2: While you're alive and they are in the trust. And then the trust document states out, sets out your powers as trustee. Mm -hmm. So what you have the authority to do with those assets now that they're in the trust and, um, You know, you can make them as broad or specific as as you need to. And then, of course, there's statutory things that need to be followed as well. But uh, and then the trust document will state then who the ultimate beneficiaries are. So once the grantor passes away, then the trust document states, okay, everything's to be divided up between all my kids or it's all going to charity or, or, you know, whatever you want.
0: So a trust is kind of like a will, but a trust never dies. Right.
2: Well, until the purpose of the trust is taken care of, and then it would terminate.
0: Okay. Okay. Clear as mud?
1: Pretty much. <laughs> Let's keep moving along. Well, the
0: thing, uh, the thing that I think about all this stuff is so interesting is you need to know a little bit about it, right? You need to do it, right? You got to right. have these things, but that's why you call Lisa. That's why I called Lisa, at least. I'm right. like, I know enough to know I want this stuff. And I don't know exactly why or what it's going to do. And that's why I call you now with questions like, wait, should I put this in my trust or whatever? And you're like, no, Adam, you should do it this way or whatever. (laughs) But um, okay, so we've started with our definitions. Mm -hmm. And thank you for that. I know that I've got a list of questions. I'm sure Shannon does, too. Do we want to jump into our questions first or do we want to talk about interesting stuff like prints?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, gosh. Just, yeah, so, I mean, real but real I quick. think What's that that is him? very interesting because I cannot believe that he didn't even have a, a will. Mm-hmm. So he passes away, and now everything sits in probate. I mean, he – and while he is on the grand scale and we have nothing in comparison – it's interesting to watch. And I think that that's what brings these conversations to the table is when something like this happens and mm-hmm. it's in the public eye mm-hmm. is why do you need a will? But most people think, eh, why do I need a will? I only have a house. I only have a couple cars. Lisa, Brian.
0: do you think people like Prince didn't have a will because he didn't have any smart people advising him? Or do you think he didn't want to have to like outline who he was giving stuff to when he died? Or do you think he just didn't think he was going to die anytime soon?
2: I, I think uh, C is the most...
0: P- people just don't think people, they're going to die well, anytime
2: well, soon. Or, or it's just one of those, you know, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. I don't want to deal with it. You don't want to face yeah, that. Yeah, 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 you don't want to face your own mortality. It upsets me. Mm-hmm. Or uh, people that have small children where I have to have that uneasy conversation with them about, well, what if something happens to the two of you? You know, we kind of need to name a guardian or... You know, you want that trust in place to hold your assets so that your minor children have somebody you trust managing your assets for their benefit, that type of thing. And they don't want to think about, they oh, my God, my, my my kids aren't going to have parents. They don't. Yeah, they're like, how
0: dare you? In a way,
1: people. I think there's nothing worse than t- talking about your own mortality than talking about what happens to my kids if we both exactly. pass. Like, that is worse than that. Right. I mean, that's probably one of the scariest thoughts as a parent. Mm-hmm.
0: But also, people probably have trouble going to their parents and saying, Dad, do you have a will? Dad, do you have trust or whatever, or mom or whatever, because they don't want their parents to think, you just want my money. Right. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, that's, that's a, a hard conversation to start with your parents sometimes.
0: I have a friend who uh, she is one of four sisters. Her father died a little over 11 years ago and it was about two or three months ago they finally got everything finalized was the mother not alive the mother was it was a divorce and stuff like that way before the father died that was like way all done with and so 11 years went on and uh now the sisters are not friends anymore and they don't like each other anymore and they finally got their money but all you know like 11 years, and it it really, the because he didn't have a will, I think it broke up their sisterhood or whatever, which is probably his worst nightmare, you know?
2: That, that can be it sometimes. Uh, I mean, even when there is a plan in place that can still create a family divide because you have the person that, you know, then takes over to manage stuff, and they're like, I have all the power. You can't tell me what to do. I'll do things in my own sweet time. Mm -hmm. And no, that's not how it's supposed to be. So that's when, you know, sometimes litigation could come into play, which, you know, I I try to avoid that as much as possible because you want to keep the family union intact as much as you can. It's just like, okay, you realize by suing your sister, you may never talk to her ever again in Mm -hmm. in her lifetime. Are you prepared for that consequence? That's what happened. You know, they, Is there a way we can do this without ripping the family apart? Yep.
0: That's exactly what happened. They got ripped apart because they all wanted money and this and that. And one of them finally ended up giving in. But now she feels taken advantage of. And, you know, it's crazy. Right. I'm sure you hear that kind of stuff all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump into some of my questions sure. that I got. I asked uh, my Facebook followers or whatever to submit any questions they had okay um so i have one person who said what's the easiest way to put a partner's name on a home without doing a refinance is it a quick claim deed is it a cohabitation agreement etc i not i'm dealing with this right now and i'm not sure what to do so this was a client of mine she bought a house and she's living with her partner and she's like uh how do i add her to this I guess she wants to add her to the house, but not to the mortgage. Okay. She doesn't want to do a refinance because that can be expensive and probably rates are higher than when she just bought it. Um, She's asking about a quit claim deed, which if I have my guess, you're going to say that maybe. What is a cohabitation agreement? Is that like a legal thing?
1: Is that even a thing?
2: I, I would think a cohabitation, just based on the scenario you're giving me, I'm wondering if she's talking about a cohabitation. I guess... The first thing I would ask is, what's the purpose of adding the what partner's the name yeah. to the title? Is it so that if something happens to the owner, she wants to make sure her partner stays in the house, okay. and her family can't come in and try to take the house, sell it up from out from underneath her? Good question. You know, uh, if if that is the purpose. Then I would recommend that the owner, you know, she still owns it. She's done the mortgages in her name. And then you just do a beneficiary deed. So if something happens to the owner, the partner's name is the beneficiary. She inherits the house subject to any lien. And then the house is hers. And the owner's family can't come in and, and try to sell it out from underneath her okay. or something.
0: So it, you're, I guess a lot of times I think these couples, you know, they don't know what to do and what to say. Right. And so they're probably looking at it and she's like, this is my house, right? you know, and her partner probably doesn't feel a sense of ownership of the house or whatever. Right. So the beneficiary deed may or may not solve that, I guess. Right. Right.
2: So then the next question would be, uh, no, we want to own the house together because we're partners, but we don't want that to affect the mortgage in any way. So you want to make sure that by adding another owner to the house, that doesn't trigger any type of acceleration clause in the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So you know kinda kinda look at that because you don't want an unintended consequence of just, you know, adding another owner to the house. Is it
0: really fair for the for the one person to be an owner and have the mortgage and the other person just to be an owner with no
2: That's their relationship between them. But could you
0: (laughs) on this some document that you're making, could you make her partner like somehow equally liable for the mortgage, which is something that I have in a lot of my operating agreements.
2: Um, you would have to have her like almost guarantee the mortgage. And somehow, I, I guess you would have to look at the terms of the mortgage is, okay. I guess, to, to answer that question.
0: Okay. And so you're saying, Hey, it depends. Basically your answer is it right. depends. Maybe a beneficiary deed. Right. But if you want to like be on the title or whatever, then, there's other options but you might want to check into them before. Yeah, I mean you could the easy could be messed answer
2: up. is sure, do a quick claim deed, but you know, then there could be consequences to that.
0: With your lender. Right. And so the quick claim deed, she would take it from her name and then put it back into her name but just add another name? Right. Okay. And so as cohabitation agreements not it's not a legal document, it sounds like more like a little lease or something like that, right?
2: yeah, kinda. Okay just with
0: the information I'm getting. Cool. Well, I think that's really interesting because we deal with a lot of, I, I, I don't need to say young, I guess necessarily, but couples mm-hmm. who are buying a property, but just one of them is on the mortgage. Right. And I think that person doesn't know what to say to their significant other about that. You right. Know? And like you want, you want your partner, I'll just call it partner to feel like they have some sense of ownership in the house. Right. And not be like, I'm not helping you paint. This is your right. house, right? Or whatever it is. Yeah. And and so I think that that's an awkward thing for people to deal with a lot. Just,
1: yeah, I think that that's a very interesting scenario that comes up a lot that I, I don't know that I think about all that often because while you can add somebody to the title, perhaps mm-hmm. maybe through beneficiary deed mm-hmm. or quick claim, um, but then there's the question of the mortgage. So then one partner dies, the other... Is on the title, but then it was the the original owner who had the mortgage in their name. And now what happens to that mortgage? And yeah. even though now they're both on the title, there's still the question of the mortgage. And being that being yeah. paid and transferred into the partner's right. name. That's I mean, why that's the, more, I'm the I'm mortgage, mortgage company is going to more than, than likely just, want
2: both owners to be responsible for, to be liable for the any default on the mortgage. I think
0: this is why people need an attorney and this is why they need to really be willing to have these like super awkward conversations. You know, I had a a friend who his wife was on the mortgage and the house. And then he somehow was only on the house, but then they got a divorce. Mm -hmm. And so she's now owes for the mortgage and he just stayed living there. And it's like, it's not my mortgage. Right. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this is so weird. I, sh- I think they, I think she ended up getting foreclosed on, and you know her credit and all that stuff. And he had no consequences. Right? Don't quote me on that either, because I don't know exactly how it all went down. But it was something weird like that, where man, a few awkward conversations up front would have solved a ton of problems later. Right. Exactly. You know? And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but for for my wife and I before we got married. We had a lot of these kind of like I'll call them awkward conversations, but it really it was really good for us. It was really healthy to have these kind of talks. I think so.
1: Right, right.
0: Should I let you ask a question, Shannon? No,
1: keep going. <laughs> okay.
0: So should my spouse and I have our home in a trust? And if you say yes, then please tell me why.
2: <laughs> uh, well, again, it's going to depend. So, um I I when I am meeting with a, a married couple uh, to discuss their estate plan, I look at their overall plan, mm-hmm. you know, their overall picture. Um what kind of assets do they have? Do they have children? What are their goals as far as distribution of their assets after they've both passed away? Mm-hmm. Um do they own enough assets to where there might be an estate tax consequence? when uh, after they've passed away so you have to factor in all of those things before answering that question the easy answer like i said before is a trust will help you avoid probate mm-hmm. so if you're willing to spend a little bit of you know a little extra money in the beginning to get a trust in place get all your assets into the trust knowing that if something happens to either of the both of you it avoids probate and the person you've named to succeed you as trustee you know, will handle getting everything where it needs to go, then yes, I I would recommend a trust.
0: Do people usually wait to put their house in a trust until their house is paid off? Or because otherwise do they deal with the same lender problems that we were just talking about on the last question?
2: Uh, No, you can, in this type of situation, and my understanding is that uh, lenders have become more aware of trusts and that they aren't, you aren't, quick claiming your trust to like a third party that isn't going to be liable under the mortgage you are quick claiming it to the trust that you are the grantor of so technically the ownership of the house hasn't changed okay the the um the, the lent the borrower under the mortgage is the same person that set up the trust so they still have the same responsibilities under the mortgage so, just by quick claiming your home into the trust that you own, it shouldn't trigger any type of acceleration clause.
0: So, would that have been a good solution for a person in question number one, or would they not? Would the bank, not her bank, not like that there was another person on the trust?
2: No, the the person that owns the house could have could set up a trust
0: with both of them on it.
2: Yeah, with both of them on it, and then the owner is just transferring, is contributing the house to the the trust asset, trust estate, is what we'll call it. Um, and then they are both, you know, beneficiaries under the trust, so that if the owner of the house dies and still is the only borrower on the mortgage, the trust owns the house. So, yeah, I mean, you, the mortgage companies could still come back and say, okay, well, yeah, the grantor who was also our borrower died and the house is in your trust, we still need somebody responsible for and paying then, us our, our mortgage. And
0: they'd want to do a refinance of well, some sort probably. Well, right? yeah,
2: they might want the house, they want might want the mortgage retitled in the name of the trust or something so that that remaining grantor is now responsible for the mortgage. So again, it depends on on your lender and the terms of your mortgage.
1: It seems like in that first question that you have, that the only, uh, the best possible, depending on some of the questions you had asked earlier, is putting it in the trust. But then it doesn't matter if you have a quick claim deed or a beneficiary deed or a trust. If you don't have that life insurance policy or some money somewhere to pay off that mortgage, that partner is still, kind of in a jam. Yeah, the mortgage company
2: is going to be looking for somebody to pay off the mortgage.
0: Pay it off, not just keep paying. yeah
2: well, well, pay or off. keep paying it, you know, okay. I mean you cuz you don't want the mortgage to be defaulted on.
0: I like that the you know your first answer was kind of like what's their why? Like what's their motive, yeah. right? And that's going to I guess drive a lot of this. Exactly. All right. So, um Well, I I sort of have the same question twice, and uh, (laughs) basically, how can I gift money to my kids and not have it be a taxable event? And then before you answer that, let me just read the other one, too, which is kind of, well, I guess let's just keep it simple. How can I gift money to my kids and not have it be a taxable event?
2: Okay. Um, Any type of lifetime gift to your children or, or anybody, for that matter, Um, Currently, uh, in 2018, there is an annual um, gift credit, which is $15,000 per person per gift. So that means, Adam, you could be very generous and decide to give us each $15,000, and that will not create a taxable event.
0: I'm sorry, did you say per person per gift? Did you mean per person per year?
2: No, per Per person, per gift, per year, yes. Okay, So okay. The, Yeah, so it's kind of the trifecta. So, and the, as a married couple, you and your wife could give me $30,000 in a year.
0: Um, okay. And, mm-hmm. and
2: again, there would be no tax.
0: I like the smile you get on your face yeah. when you say that. Now, it.
1: <laughs> is it, is, it's no tax to you and me who receive the money. No tax to anybody. But well. do they get to deduct that from the taxes? So if you make 100000 you gift 15000 is now your actual income 85? Um, no, because that wasn't a charitable gift.
0: Okay. So I've already paid taxes on it. So, yeah. Now that yes. it's, just, it's in so, my bank account, I've paid right. taxes on it. You're just saying you're not having to pay taxes on it now that you're receiving it as income.
2: Right. No, it's not, in, it's not income. It's a gift.
0: Right. But you're, you're not having to pay but, like, yeah, income tax on it. Yeah, I'm not paying a gift it. tax on it. Right. Okay. Because
2: it falls within that yearly credit.
0: So I can give, the question was, how can I gift money to my kids and not have to be a taxable event? You're saying it doesn't matter that it's your kids. And the question could have really been, how can I gift money to anybody and have it not be a taxable event? And you're saying, give, give anybody $15,000 per year and right. it's not taxable? Right.
2: Right. Now, if the gift is more than $15,000 in a year, uh, you have what's called your lifetime gift tax exclusion. Which for 2018 is $10 million indexed for inflation, which I, is somewhere in the neighborhood of, let me find that, $11,180,000. So y- over your lifetime, as of this year, you can give gifts of $11,180,000. So if I were to pass away this year, the IRS would look at all the gifts I've given over my lifetime to see if it exceeds that. It hasn't, I promise. Every time I give (laughs) $15,000,
0: how is that recorded? That's on my tax return? the
2: $15,000 doesn't go against that lifetime exclusion, so that doesn't create the need to file a gift tax return. So anytime you go over that $15,000 in a year, you want to file a gift tax return showing, okay, not a, I gave $20,000 to this child. Well, the first 15000 goes to my annual, so I'm only filing that 5000 mm-hmm. against my lifetime exclusion. So you want to get that gift tax return going, which will get that statute of limitations going on that gift tax return filing. So right. that after X number of years goes, the IRS can't go back and say, hey, wait a minute. You know, we forgot to tax you on that. And you're like, well, no, it's it's all good. So, so the person good, receiving
1: it, like, so the person receiving the gift, do they claim it on still yet on the ta- their taxes as a gift? They don't even no. have to report it no. anywhere. They no. just go and put it in some if it's random under account. right? Right. Um, it- well, it,
2: no, even the person receiving the gift, they don't have the reporting responsibility. It's the person making the gift.
0: That's so. So, if you
2: give me twenty thousand dollars this year. You're going to file
1: a gift tax return on that five thousand mm-hmm. dollars,
0: showing, and you got to file nothing. I got to file nothing,
1: and then but if he does fifteen thousand, does he have to file any kind of gift?
2: There tax is, is no because the, he's going to take against that lifetime. Oh, Wait a minute, say your question again.
1: So even if he if he stays within the minimum, does he still do? You still have to file a tax a gift no. tax.
2: No, you would only want to file a gift tax return if If you go over over that $15,000. Okay, Right.
0: But so then if I gift $15,000 to you Mm -hmm. and then you get audited, aren't they going to say, where did you get this $15,000?
2: I'll say it's a gift and they will... It shouldn't trigger an audit because I am not reporting in any place. It's a gift. But I'm saying if you got audited for something else. The purpose of this annual credit is for all the you know parents and grandmothers out there that give you gifts every year for your birthday or your graduation or confirmation Very generous. you know they don't they used to call it the little old la- I believe it was called the little old lady tax or something like um, that um, I remember one of my old bosses saying something like that that's the purpose of this annual exclusion so when you get that birthday gift you know say somebody gives you a CD they spent ten dollars on that CD. Technically, that's a ten dollar gift to you, so that would go against that fifteen thousand
1: mm-hmm. dollar,
2: you know, yearly credit. So, but obviously, you know, the IRS isn't going to be tracking down every little lip gloss and you know, the chocolate bar you've given somebody. So, um, so they're going to look at you know, cash, stocks, things of that nature. But again, if you stay under that fifteen thousand dollars there's no reporting requirement, and there's no tax.
0: I hope mom and dad are listening.
2: <laughs> right.
0: All right. Uh, so next question we got is, do I really need a will at my young age, and how much will it cost me? But if you don't mind, Lisa, I'd rather if you don't talk about like how much stuff is costing, they okay. can just call you and sure. you'll figure that out, right? Right, right. Um, but I would say... I didn't find it to be uh, um, too expensive, right? I thought it was worth it. I I don't want you to have to talk about how much you charge or anything (laughs) on the radio or on the podcast. But do I really need a will at my young age?
2: Um, Again, it's going to depend on your overall picture. So I, I would sit down with you, go over all the assets you own. Again, what are your goals with them? And then go up with, come up with a plan for you. A will may not be necessary. Like I said before, a will doesn't avoid probate. But there are things we can do, treat your assets in a way to help you avoid probate. And then we might want to put a will in place just as a safety net. So again, you've got your executor named and your beneficiaries named to avoid any headaches that may be involved uh, with probate.
0: I went on a trip a couple, three years ago or something like that, and I'm going to go to Florida to visit my buddy or whatever, and I get this email from my parents like the day before I leave, and they're like, Adam, we really think you need to make a will before you go on this (laughs) trip. And I'm like, what kind of omen are you giving me for this trip? Right? And so I had to like, you know, I found something online or whatever, and uh, um, I just made one just to make them happy. But <laughs> um, we've obviously made a like a more professional one at this right. point, because I don't think mine listed who was supposed to the person who was going to have to deal with it that we talked about earlier.
2: Right. So, so let's say we've got a, a single person, you know, pretty you know good income. They they might own a house, have maybe an investment account. I won't name any houses. Um, you know, an investment account with some you know have their bank you know checking and savings account with a bank. You know, I would say, oh, you know, again, single, no children. Um, I would say, okay, well, we can do a will, but again, you won't won't avoid probate. So, if it's simple that you want to make sure, you know, your sister gets everything, then we can do a beneficiary deed and you name your sister on your house. So, if something happens to you, the house will go to the sister and avoids probate uh, on your investment account, where wherever you might hold that. You can put a beneficiary designation on that account, which is like that POD or TOD we talked Mm -hmm. about earlier. So again, everything would go to the sister, avoid probate. Um, Same with your your regular checking or, or, or savings account. You can put a POD or TOD on it. And then again, it avoids probate and everything still gets to your sister, which is what your goal was.
0: When you die.
1: Yeah. So if you you pass away, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so if if you don't do a will, does everything a hundred percent of assets transfer to just the next of kin? And, or is it equally divided between anyone?
2: Um, again, that depends. So if you pass away without a will and all your assets in your name alone, then we're going to take a look at who your heirs are. So if there's a surviving spouse, and that's it. The surviving spouse gets everything. Okay. If there's a surviving spouse and children, then everything's divided up between the spouse and children. And then we have the question about are all the children from the marriage or are the children, or any of the children from a pre existing relationship? And in that case, sometimes the spouse gets a little more off the top before then everything's split evenly between the spouse and the kids.
0: Does it kind of, it's sort of up to the judge's discretion?
2: No, this is all set out in a statute.
0: This is? Yes, this is
2: under the Missouri probate code. And it's,
0: so it's not like it's up to the judge's discretion and whoever has the best lawyer wins or whatever. No,
2: this is all Missouri statute.
0: Okay. Well, um, I'll keep going on my list. How can I buy property in probate? And then they said, oh, wait, what's probate? But we already answered that. <laughs> so, how can I buy property in probate?
2: Okay. So, are you saying you.
0: That question's probably confusing to you because you're like, what? But I think people have heard, they go to seminars, they do all this stuff, and they're like, you should buy a property in probate. Oh, I
2: gotcha. I gotcha. So, like, if you are an investor and you're looking to. Buy property yeah. to like what you were talking about with your, your house in Jennings earlier. Yeah. You bought the property, you're gonna rehab it and mm-hmm. then and then sell it. Mm-hmm. Um and you found a house that is currently in probate because the owner died. Um you can contact anytime a probate estate is opened, there is a publication in a local legal newspaper. Um in Missouri, it's through Missouri Lawyer or in the St. Louis area, it's through the Missouri Lawyers We've Missouri Lawyers Media, which is St. Louis County or The
0: The Watchman or something? uh, The
2: Watchman's another one. Um, I I think in the city, it's the the one that publishes all the city stuff is um, the St. Louis Daily. And so they will print something that says, hey, somebody passed away on such and such a date and a state is now open. Here's the executor. Here's the attorney for the executor. And that's when You know, somebody would contact either the executor or the attorney, usually the attorney, um, to say, hey, we're interested in buying that house.
0: Oh, there's no process for it. You're just reaching out to it. Yeah, you're
2: just reaching out. Like, because I handle a lot of probate stuff, I get postcards and letters all the time. Oh, we're so sorry for your loss. Hey, we'd like to buy that house.
0: And you're thinking, no, I'm just going to call or, you out. Know, He'll buy it.
2: And so, well, it, it you know, if it depends on what the scenario is. So sometimes the house is going to be inherited by the heirs, so there's no house to buy. Mm-hmm. If, um, if the executor or, and or the heirs, you know, if they're the same person... Um, need to sell the house but they already have a realtor i let them deal with it if they ask for my recommendation of a realtor i give them several choices um of who to go with and then you know they can reach out to you know adam here at, at herman london and and or go Shannon. and go from there two choices for you right, right. There. exactly so and, and go from there
0: okay so people, if they want to buy houses in probate, they can get one of those newspapers you're talking about and just start contacting probate attorneys. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, this, I think this one sort of relates to the gifting money to kids thing. Mm-hmm. Um, please ask about the transfer of property via trust to next generation and tax advantages, disadvantages. And let me break this question down okay. because I think this was related to the question of, hey, I want to buy my daughter a house for $300,000 and am I going to have to pay taxes on that and can I just gift her the house or how, how do we do this? So I asked about the transfer of property via trust to next generation and tax advantages, disadvantages. Our One of our realtors called me the other day and basically said, I've got a lady who wants to buy her daughter a house but it wants to avoid taxes what can i do and i was like conveniently i'm going to be doing a podcast (laughs) about this right but i was wondering can they do they just put the house in a trust or whatever and so i'll let you talk now
2: okay um again i think it's going to be you know is mom and our mom and dad buying the house for the child but they want to own the house but eventually the child get it or do they are they just shelling out the money and the, the child is going to live there? So basically, mom yeah. and dad are going to hold the mortgage, but child will be living in the house.
0: In this case, I think mom and dad have the cash. Okay. And their child, they just want to basically give their child a house.
2: Okay. So so yeah, if they basically shell out the cash, but the title is taken in the child's name then I believe that would be a gift.
0: That would go towards their lifetime. Right. Gift so thing.
2: that would go against their lifetime I- exclusion.
0: And so there, there's, well, you probably want to talk to them and know their exact situation, but it sounds like there's really no reason for them not to just, Hey, here's $300,000 daughter. You know, you've been great. Right. Uh, and let her buy the property in her own name.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, that, that would be another way to do it. Again, you know, always consult with a CPA on this type of stuff to make sure there are any tax consequences that I am forgetting to mention. Uh, that, that's always a good thing when you're making a major transaction okay. like this.
0: By the way, if you don't mind, we're kind of in nearing the end, I guess, or sort of in the middle end of the show here. Can you give your contact information? How do people get a hold of you? Sure,
2: sure. Uh, I'm Lisa Brown. Um, I've got my own law firm. I'm on Hampton Avenue in South St. Louis. My phone number is 314-768-6893.
0: 314-768-6893? Right. And you were giving us trouble about our Facebook earlier. Do you have a Facebook or not? I
2: do have a Facebook for my law firm. Okay. It's the law office of Lisa D. Brown.
0: Lisa D. Brown. Yes. Okay. So um, I want to ask, I guess I'd like to give little examples you... You mentioned earlier about how things go to the next of kin and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Are you a Breaking Bad fan?
2: Uh, no, I have not watched that show. No? Shannon? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes.
0: Okay, so in that show, they wanted to give, uh, what was Skyler's boss's name? Um, I forget his name now, of course, for my example. But they wanted to, Ted Banneke. They wanted to give <laughs> Banneke like $200,000 or something like that so that he would pay these taxes so they didn't get audited. It was this whole crazy story. But so they what they did is they had an attorney contact Ted Banneke and go, Hey, your great aunt Martha just passed away. And he's like, I don't know about a great aunt Martha. And they're like, Yeah, great Aunt Martha who lived in Luxembourg or you know, she passed away and you're next in line, right? And so they were just trying to give him the money so he would pay this. But that's kinda how that would work, I guess. They would if Great Aunt Martha had no will and they would just find the next living heir mm-hmm. heir. H E I R, right? Interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you inherit property, um, there's no tax on you inheriting property because it's not income to you. Mm -hmm. And um, you get, depending on what kind of asset it is, you get a step up in the basis on that property. So, you know, if you then turn around and sell it because you don't need another house or something like that, um, you should recognize, you should not incur any type of capital gains tax on doing
0: that is there a lot of fraud that goes on with this kind of stuff that i mean maybe you don't know about it but
2: uh, i i none that i am aware of obviously i can't con- i do not condone any type sure, of, of, of fraud. course uh, no,
0: of course not I'm not. <laughs> yeah so do you have any um interesting like stories you can share or I, I was reading this this interesting story it's a little bit convoluted though but if you had any do you have any interesting real life stories Just to throw you on the spot.
2: None that I can really talk
0: about. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: Lawyer-client flip. Exactly. Can't talk about
0: that stuff. Okay. I read an article about a guy who, um, I guess, in like the early late 1800s or something like that. He passed away, Mm -hmm. but his will said it was said something crazy, like his once his last living fifth grandkid or something like that passed away. Then they would split up his, um, what do you call it, his estate. Okay. And so he had like $100 million. Okay. Which was a ton, of, you know, even for the, eight, it's a ton of money back then. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not so much now, right? But um, it was, I thought the article was super interesting because over the years, like all these people tried to challenge it and they all wanted the money, you know? And the same type of thing, it's like, why did he do that? Well, he must have hated his family or something like that because it ended up causing all of these, People to hate each other mm-hmm. over the years. You know, it's like, why don't you just so die? no one got anything. No one got anything. Uh, he was super rich. And then no one got anything. They all had to live. Well, I, I don't want to. They all had to make their own money their whole life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, his like great, 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 great so granddaughter. Great
1: grandchild.
0: Of- I'm sparing the details because I don't remember the exact details. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, his sixth great grandchild or whatever was all of a sudden like. There, I think there's like five or six of them left the the one person died which triggered that anyone who is alive now got their portion. And so all these random people like five or six people just got millions and millions of dollars.
1: Oh my god, that would be <laughs> awesome. I mean, we all kind of dream of that, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's it's just it's just an interesting story and I guess I I'm curious about why people do stuff like that. You know, is
2: oh, it, it could be any number of reasons, you know, maybe they wear shoebox, you know, Kleenex boxes for shoes. <laughs> what? You you know, a Howard into- Hughes reference. Oh, I <laughs> mean, maybe they're crazy.
0: So to, to some, is there, I guess there's a lot of people that are thinking, well, I
1: think it's kind of like a Warren Buffett thing um, that he, his money is not going to be passed down to his family. It's going to be donated. Or right. It's in, other trusts as the for foundations, right? Yeah. Well, not, yeah. Or I've heard to, like
2: the chef Gordon Ramsay's doing the same thing. He's just like, oh no, I'm not leaving my stuff to my wife and kids. They need to earn a living. Yeah, so that his
0: <laughs> not even to his wife.
2: <laughs> so, I think that's what I heard. Yeah, it's probably like you that. don't.
1: I don't know. Know. And I don't know the exact for Warren Buffett, but that is the scenario. Yeah, sure, I, it, it's not being passed. I down. think it's the, being
2: left. Right. By the logic is: I came from nothing. I made something of myself. I want you yeah. to have that and experience as well. Do. So, you know, I'm leaving this money to...
0: I thought even Warren Buffett was still giving his daughter, like, some money. She's just not going to get, like, $100 billion. I think think
1: it may be... There might be some small payout, but in the big scheme of things, considering he's worth millions and millions (laughs) of dollars, most of it's actually just being given away. Mm -hmm. Because he wants you... I mean, you have to... His mindset is live simple he still lives in the house that he bought in the 70s -hmm, before mm -hmm. he started to really make his money um so i think it's i think i can see a lot of people having that mindset where it's i made this i don't want to just hand it over right you need to go make your own
0: uh lisa if if someone is listening and they i mean if they don't have any of the stuff obviously they should just call you right but if they know that their parents for example don't have Any of this stuff, is there any sort of good way to bring up the conversation or do you know, like, it really depends
2: on your, your family dynamic. A lot of times what spurs people to come into the office is they have just experienced it within their own family. Like, um, you know, their parents have just passed away or a sibling or a good friend just passed away and they see what somebody's family has gone through because there was no plan in place and they don't want their own children to deal with that. So that is what gets them into the office. That's what
0: gets the parent in. But if, if I know, and this is not true for me, but if I knew that my parents had none of this, how do I bring it up to them? Tell them a story about my friend whose parents had trouble. Yeah. Or I can
2: Yeah. Just, She's like, you know, mom, dad, um, I'm not trying to pry into your business. You don't have to tell me anything. But, you know, have you thought about what will happen to everything when you pass away? Or better yet, what happens if you become disabled and the two of you can't take care of each other? You know, if you don't have a power of attorney in place, I'm going to have to go to court and be appointed your guardian, and then I have to report to the court every year about what I'm, you know, how I'm treating you. Mm -hmm. You know, do do you want that? You know, because then everything you own becomes public knowledge. Do you want all your friends to know, you know, what I'm doing with your stuff? So they can start it with the
0: conversation that's kind of like, uh, you know, do you want to be uh, cremated or buried, right? Like if you're in a coma, do you want me to pull the plug or not? Right. And then like, oh, we should probably get this all written down. Let's call Lisa. And then while they're sort of in that conversation, they'd start talking about their wills and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's um, a valid question for any child to parent is what do you want um, in those situations and after you pass away how am I supposed to carry out any of this, or what is it, that, and how do you want it? Yeah, if out?
2: I don't know what your wishes are, I can't follow them. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we discuss this so that I treat you the way you want to be treated when you can't tell me how you want to be treated.
0: Man, some people just don't talk about it. You know, right? I mean, it's very people uncomfortable. Just don't talk about death, like right. You know, anything like that. My my wife points out that it's really like. She says that my family talks about death as if we're like talking about a new movie or we're talking about going to Walgreens or something. But (laughs) we've just been to so many funerals and my dad's family was really big. So it's like it's I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a big deal, but it's more easy. I guess it's more easy for us to talk about it.
1: Yeah. So we know a lot of the advantages of having the will and more more so the trust. What are the um, challenges of having property in a trust? Can you can you easily refi? Can you get a home equity line of credit if the property is in a trust name? There can be you?
2: there can be challenges there. Sometimes if you own your real estate in a trust and you want to refi it, um, the the lender will want you to take it out of the trust before you you know they'll they'll do all of that and then once you've refied it, it can just be put right back into the trust. So uh, if you think you, you are somebody that's going to be refining, you know, quite a bit over the lifetime of the ownership of the house, then we could do, and instead of having the house own the trust, just do a beneficiary deed so that you still own the house. But then if something happens to you, the beneficiary deed kicks the title into the trust and you still avoid probate, it still ends up in the trust, but then you're not taking the house in and out of the trust every time you want to refi.
1: So same thing with the HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Right. Okay. Yeah. It
2: just depends on the individual lender, really, Okay, what their requirements are.
0: Uh, You know, I'm sitting here going, how exactly does all this tie to real estate? Because it's a realtor podcast, you know, but I think it ties in so many ways. And just just from a simple realtor perspective, a lot of times we go on a listing appointment Mm -hmm. and the house is not owned in someone's name. It's owned in a trust. I think it's good for our realtors to know what that is, Right. right? Right. And uh, we didn't ask you to define what a power of attorney is. And th- Will you define that real quick?
2: Sure. A, a power of attorney or a durable power of attorney is a document you would put into place where while you were alive, if you become disabled or incapacitated, whether that is permanent or temporary, you have named somebody you completely trust to step into your shoes and make decisions for you that you would normally make for yourself, you just don't have the ability or the capacity to do so at that given time. And that could be anything from managing your day-to-day fa- affairs, you know, mm. making sure the electric bill gets paid or mm. the dog gets to the groomer or, or gets to the vet or, um, you know, if it comes to health care, uh, you know, talking to your doctors about your just your day-to-day care or... It could be, you know, an end of life decision.
0: So the power of attorney, or is there a difference between power of attorney and durable power of attorney?
2: Well, a durable power of attorney is what you want because it survives the incapacity. Okay. So, um, and so you have a power of attorney that, or durable power of attorney that would cover your financial affairs. And then you have a separate document which would be your health care directive,
0: but there's still they can still be that would still be called a power of attorney or durable power of attorney that's over your health care directive,
2: right, yeah, it's a durable power of attorney for health care, which includes your health care directive, but you could have
0: market. one person who's a durable power of attorney over your finances and a different person who's durable power of attorney over your health care sure okay, sure, interesting.
1: So um, last question on my part. Is it better? Like, So we have mentioned more than a few times how families are divided um, upon the death of a relative or a parent. So is it better in a will to have maybe a third party or a neutral um, party as a trustee versus maybe a sibling? Because like in your scenario, I guess I'm guessing one of the four sisters that you're talking about earlier was one of them a trustee?
0: They weren't. And they had... It was just like one of the dad's friends was the trustee. Okay, so kind
1: of like a neutral party, I guess that's. It was a
0: neutral party, and in some ways that was better, but in some ways it was worse because he didn't have a whole lot of motivation to actually do anything about it, and so they'd be like, "Okay, we've come to an agreement. Like, you know, take the next step, whatever it is."
1: Actually. Take action, show yes. up the attorneys, mm-hmm. and say this is what they want to do. Let's do it. This is what and we want to do. Let's that? do it, and That's then so, it would like it sounded months.
2: like the friend created more headache yeah. than he wasn't he helping. To, it didn't right. seem like he was really
0: helping. Yeah.
1: So is it really that complicated for the trustee to say here, just divide it up four ways equally, and let's all be done with this?
2: It, well, yeah, it's just a matter of you know how motivated the trustee is to get the get the job done. So if you know the. It, it's a matter of just dividing everything up, you know. After you've paid any final expenses of the decedent or anything, making sure everything's divided up, that's all the trustee has to do is just sign whatever paperwork's necessary to to get it done. That seems like it seems so very simple. Yeah,
0: it it is, but it's not. But because... if you
2: don't, if you don't, you know, have a horse in the race, you aren't a beneficiary. You're not related to these people. You may think, oh, I've got my own family to deal with. They can wait, and so. you know, you're not getting it done as timely as everybody would like you to.
0: And it's not just four siblings and a bank account sitting there with a hundred thousand. And it's just so obvious that each one gets 25. Mm -hmm. Like in this case, like well, dad had promised me this and well, dad had promised me this and I get this jewelry and you get this asset. And you know, it was like this whole thing. And they, so it wasn't just a, you know, even amount of money that they could just divide by four. It was all this other stuff involved.
2: Right. That's well in Missouri, you can have what's called a personal property distribution list, where under a statute you can make a list of your personal property, like jewelry, mm-hmm. uh, anything that doesn't have a title to it or isn't cash. Um, you know, you can say, okay, you know, mom wants to make sure her her wedding ring goes to this daughter or or granddaughter. Right. So you can make a list of all that and sign it and date it, and then your executor or the trustee, you know, looks for that list and then follows it. And you know that can be updated and changed as as often as you want to do it, and that will take
1: away a lot of that. So that's a better way to do it versus saying, "I want my assets all of if something happens to me and my husband husband to be divided equally between my two children." Because now you are going, "Well, what about the the, household content? What about this? What about that? You know?" And so it's yeah, like what about the furs? What about the you know? Right. That's why I am like, okay. So are there any family heirlooms
2: in the house that? You know, somebody would want to take care of like my own personal thing is we have this giant cedar chest that has has always been around since I was a kid. When I was in trouble, I used to hide in it thinking nobody's ever going to find me in here. (laughs) And I actually have my name written in it in crayon, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like literally my name's on this. I get it when mom dies. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's all I want. You guys can have everything else. I just want the cedar chest. So, yeah, if, every, if everybody agrees on stuff, it's great. But the more direction mom and dad give, the less, you know, confusion it's going to create.
0: All right. If you don't mind, we have five questions that I like to ask every guest. Oh, no. Okay. And uh, so do you mind if I just jump into those before we okay. wrap up the podcast? All right. Who lives under your roof?
2: Who lives under my roof? My mom and two dogs.
0: Okay. Good. Where are you your best?
2: Where am I my best?
0: I can always tell who's listened to the podcast before, you know. Okay. That's good. That's fine.
2: Um I don't know. I I like to think I'm my best in any given situation. You know, I was a little nervous today with it being my first podcast. So I think
0: I... you did great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> very, yes,
2: very good. Whenever it's I'm been... re- whenever I'm relaxed and feel at ease, I'm at, I'm my best.
0: Okay. Do you have a favorite blog or podcast or anything like that?
1: Besides ours, besides okay. yours,
2: yeah. um, no, I can't. I mean, I follow different like estate planning lawyer type blogs and things to kind of keep me updated with stuff, but I don't have a favorite necessarily.
0: Do you have like a some sort of favorite book? Let's do a favorite book.
2: A favorite book. My all-time favorite book, I have to say, is Gone with the Wind. Okay. That's also my favorite movie.
0: <laughs> okay, good. I like that's to good. push on that one. <laughs> one of our guests told us about a podcast name called Serial. This was a long time ago, and I loved it. So I like to push and see if you know I can get something. Mm. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure?
2: My guilty pleasure. <laughs> Um any particular category or
0: <laughs> whatever you want the world to know.
2: <laughs> I like to listen to boy bands in sync.
0: <laughs> Do you really? Yes. And you might you, you might not want to share that one. No, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> um who is your mentor and how have you thanked them?
2: Uh I had two mentors predominantly. They were the gentlemen I worked for, Jim Sauter and Jim Hurd. Uh, who have both passed away, uh, Jim heard just recently. And they were just fantastic men to work for. Um,
0: did you ever thank them?
2: Uh, well, yeah. Okay. How,
0: I just, guess the question I mean, just is how about, did you thank I them? mean,
2: they originally hired me as the receptionist for the firm. And oh, wow. as I finished college and law school at night, working for them during the day, they eventually made me their associate. And for all intents and purposes, I inherited the firm and, and keep it going. So all the well, cli- a, a lot of the clients I have now are clients they had. That's amazing. So I, I like to think I'm continuing their legacy.
0: All right. So Lisa D. Brown, if you're finding you on Facebook. Right. Can we have your phone number again?
2: 314-768-6893.
0: And then I noticed you didn't give out your email for all the millennials listening who don't want to talk on the phone. <laughs>
2: My email address is lisa.brown-atty at net.
0: Okay. Well, good thing this is recorded. They can re- rewind that and listen. it. To- <laughs> thank you so much for being on our show today. We thank really appreciate it. Me. I'm sure I'll be referencing this over the years and sending people the link to this podcast. So we really appreciate it. And everybody who's listening, thank you very much. If you have future questions or guests that you think we should have just email us podcast at hermanlondon.com don't forget to like us on facebook and all that stuff and take care thank you